Dividing the Word of Truth program and podcast. I'm Missionary Lawrence Register, and I have another message for you that I believe is current for our troubled times. The message is entitled, The Future of the Real Estate of the Church. The Future of the Real Estate of the Church. Now, what I'm going to be preaching to you may not come to pass, but there is a very real possibility that it could and that should be very concerning in itself. Now to some this will be taken as satire, but believe me, it is not. I trust that with this message I can stir your hearts to watchfulness, for it is truly the last days. These are troubling times, and my text is Luke chapter 21, verse 25 and 26. It says, Upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity, men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. There is a combination of concern here for men. One is fear, and it is a fearful time. But secondly, a fear motivated by the things coming on the earth. And for the religious crowd, there's a lot of concern for what is going to happen to the church in America. And what it is that we are already seeing coming on the not-too-distant horizon. And one of them is, what will be the state of the church world in regards to its church holdings, its finances, the real estate. That is what minds are preoccupied with the most. The carnality of man is always concerned with primarily the material, long before they consider the spiritual. But before we get started, let me clarify that I'm talking mostly about the church world in general, but from time to time, we'll be talking about the true church. Every year, the President of the United States gives the State of the Union Address. He gives it to the nation simply saying what state the Union is in, whatever that state may be. When as missionaries in Mexico, because of the nature of our ministry, with the needy, we were invited each time to the gov- when the governor came to Monclova to give his yearly informi. That is like our national state of the adre- union address, but on a state level. We would get an invitation from the mayor of the city to attend the co- governor's informi. And each time for many years, Sister Register and I would dress up and off we would go So the informing of the governor. Now to my message on what will the state of the church be after the ravagings of this alleged pandemic. The ravagings will not be so much what it does as pertaining to the virus itself, but the ravagings around us it will leave in its wake. Now all that are going to uh, we're going to discuss will be contingent on three things. Number one, how much longer this alleged COVID-19 pandemic is going to last. Number two, and if there will be another new virus that causes a nationwide lockdown, much worse than this one has been. And three, what will the government's guidelines be and how much control it exerts on the church afterwards? Much will depend on these three points above. 
Now, what seems to be front and center on minds at the present is, are we about to see a total remake of the church life as we know it? And will there be a super decline in church attendance? And has the mass exodus already begun? You may say, I don't see much change in my little church, but this thing I predict will be progressive. For I know pastors that have already stated that their attendance has fallen off much along with their giving. As pastors particularly or partially and temporarily close their church doors, some have already stated they intend to shut down completely until 2021 and longer if need be for fear of the alleged COVID-19 pandemic. Surely there must be on their minds which of these attendees will return and which will never return. And what I am seeing and hearing this thing may be a long ways from being over. By my research and the countless articles on the subject, we must come to the conclusion that it is highly probable that many will close and have already begun doing so. Now some churches may be able to weather the situation for a while, but it is the churches with the, with the mid to smaller numbers in attendance will suffer the most, and the lower the average attendance of churches are, the quicker they will lead downward. With tens of thousands of dollars in fines when churches resist the civil magistrate's orders, small congregations simply will not have the money to, fight, to survive if they indeed t attempt to resist. Now the question on, any minds, on many minds is, if and when this is over, what will be our financial condition? Will we have to close our church doors for good or not? And what happens when another supposed virus comes along? In general, the question is, will we be able to weather another onslaught of this kind? Many experts are predicting that one in five churches will close permanently as this alleged pandemic continues. And I personally believe that that estimation is more on the conservative side. Other experts are predicting even after all this is over, church attendance will continue to drop off. And the reason that they give for their findings is the rise of the digital church. Some attendees will ask, why not just get used to things the way they are and go all digital? Do away with the traditional physical gathering together. After all their thinking is, <coughs> it has worked out so far with our iPads, and parking lot tailgating services, kind of like the local Sonic with its curb service or drive through as they give themselves high fives and attaboys on a job well done, obeying Caesar's mandate. <coughs> they ask, why get all dressed up when we can get the same thing at home? Or lying on the line before the sun got on some exotic beach sand. After all, can we not find God better out in nature as they reason with their pantheistic mindset? As they think about how we can cut out the cost of operating a building with all of its financial burden needed for this antiquated worship anyway. The churchgoers today do not have the spirit of King David who said in 2 Samuel 24, 24, Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which doeth not, doth cost me nothing. 
Church attendance will be like the jobs market. They are predicting that as much as 25 to 30 percent of the workforce will continue to work from home even after the lockdown. This is from the Global Work From Home Experience Survey. In regards, in regards to church services, we could call it something like worship from home. We have already touched on it, but the coming digital church age will only exacerbate the problem of falling church attendance numbers. And the amazing thing that I am seeing by the articles <clears throat> that I read is that many in the church world are preparing the masses to go digital instead of going back to the scriptural admonition of attendance that is forsaking not the assembling of yourselves together. They are already preparing the masses for the digital church. A site called the Barner Group on their webpage claimed to have a 30-year history conducting more than a million interviews over the course of hundreds of studies and have become the go-to source for insights about faith and culture. They claim to have their finger on the pulse of the church and the state of its condition. They report that one in three practicing Christians have stopped attending church during COVID-19. Article State of the Church 7-8-2020. The article, article goes on to say recently, we revealed findings about the new Sunday morning. That's what they're calling it, the new Sunday morning, highlighting trends in church attendance and engagement since the nation's response to COVID-19 began in March of this year, and social distancing push services online. The Burner researchers identified a few types of churchgoers in this unique area of digital church. One of them was the Christians streaming their pre-COVID-19 church online. Number two was Christians streaming a different church online. And number three, Christians who have stopped attending church altogether. But we know the truth is that most who get their church online will not continue, but will slowly drop off because that is the way it is with this generation. It takes a lot of entertainment and drama to hold their attention span that is often no longer than a five-year-old's. Remember, our day is the Laodicean church age of Revelations 3, 14 through 20. Their characteristics are lukewarmness. They say that they are rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. But the Lord testifies against them that they are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. This is spiritually speaking. Also, Satan's counterfeit digital church will be no substitute for God's ordained way of having church. Online services should be reserved for the homebound or the hospital patients that, for whatever reason, cannot attend services. Not to accommodate and pander to this spiritually lazy generation. Remember, this is the generation that when it gets tough, they move back in with mom and dad. When they have matrimonial problems because they have either first cohabitated or have been divorced multiple, multiple times, just pick up and leave or sue for another divorce. You see, once you've been divorced, it gets easier the next time and the next time. The article goes on to tell us, it should be noted there is a segment of those who prior to COVID-19 were not attending church and are now attending online during the pandemic. 
However, this group is currently too small to be considered statistically significant and is not reported here. <clears throat> now, to me, this group mostly represents the person who is motivated by fear of something. They get religious when something bad happens like the day the planes flew into the Twin Towers. Everyone got religion and church attendance soared. But in a little while, those proverbial chicken littles realized the sky was not falling, nor was the world coming to an end, so gradually they went back to their normal way of life. Now, getting religious or making a conversion to some religious organization is not spiritual regen regeneration, or as some understand it, to be born again. But it is only a temporary sedative for the real problem of fear, and that is of death and inbred sin and the sin nature. Now, the last part of this article statement seems to back up my theory that these kinds of individuals will not help to stop <coughs> the decline in church attendance. There is a warning here, pastors. This study is telling you up front that this group is undependable and not to set your sights on them to help prop up your failing finances or falling attendance. Now, I gave you this little prelude on the state of the church in America, but what I want to address here for a few moments is what is the biggest factor that will contribute to the closing of so many churches. Now, let's, uh, let's ask ourselves this question. What did bank failures in the Great Depression era of the 1920s and the possibility of large amounts of church closings in the 2020s have in common besides being approximately a hundred years apart, which in itself gives reason to those who understand numerology in the Bible and those that are historians a reason to pause and consider. Now the banks fail not because of unsound banking practices or fraudulent actions, but because the people withdrew their money. In short, there was a run on the banks. The people out of fear because of the uncertainty of the troubling times took their money out of the banks and put it in their mattresses. Both the people and the money left. The banks did not have in place then the FDIC to guarantee the people's money. That did not come along until 1933. There were no safeguards in place like we have today. And because of the shortage of money, many banks closed, and it took many years for the people to once again trust them with their money. So it all hinged on one thing, and that was money. With the church world, it is the same. Mainly money, or should I say the lack of. Religion today is a lucrative industry. It is a place where the opportunist the charlatan preachers and the Elmer Gantries of the world can come in and get rich overnight. In that respect, it is like politics, where one can come to Washington, D.C. poor and own a $174,000 a year salary in a two or three year term become a millionaire. <coughs> one preacher in, Tul in Tulsa, Oklahoma, in his own words, said that when he and his wife went into the ministry, they could not afford to go out and eat a hamburger. But today, he is 
quickly becoming a billionaire with property and a fleet of jets. Now the experts are predicting that donations will be going down because attendance will be going down. That correlation has always been there. The funds just will not be there to pay the notes on millions of dollars worth of loans churches have today because of their extravagant building practices. It would not surprise me if liberal state governments did not weaponize the tax code and the tax-exempt status of the church and use it against them, and that all churches will lose their tax-exempt status. You say that can't happen. Right now, L.A. County is revoking Pastor John MacArthur's church parking lot rental agreement they have had for 45 years without excuse one. Their motive only seems to be vindictiveness. You might say, but why would they do that? Because they are like the title of Dick Morris's book about why Bill Clinton did what he did. The title was Because He Could. You see, for your information, there have been many in Congress for decades, and that also includes the hordes of lobbyists that have been wanting to eliminate the church tax exempt status for a long time. They would That would kill a lot of donations, you see, because many give to the church because of the tax credit and the tax shelter, and that giving would go into the economy. And now with the help of the far-leaning new atheistic, socialistic, liberal people in Washington because of their hatred against God and Christianity along with the council culture movement of today that we are seeing in our straight streets, <coughs> they hope to soon realize their goal. <coughs> and the timing could not be better for them. With this election cycle, we are seeing more and more that big tech is running the election system, Facebook, Google, and others. And with its money and powerful platform that has the ear of every American out there, now the politicians will not have to rely on church donations to help reelect them, so the church's giving will not be missed. But it will be enjoyed as tax revenue. It's a cash cow for the government. I can remember in the 80s, many ministries went belly up because what was termed the bond programs that churches were using to build their buildings. They would sell bonds to be used to build now and promise to buy back those bonds with interest at a later date. Now for various reasons, from poor management to crooked dealings and sometimes even woman problems of the pastor, there were those when the bonds matured could not satisfy the barrier of those bonds on demand, which was only financially as strong as the finances of the church itself, which was backed up by the attendance and the giving. I remember one church organization in particular reporting that they had to assume a large number of mortgages when the churches failed and were closed and a padlock put on the door because the attendance fell off and the pastor left, they just could not make the notes. The people voted with their feet. Some were sued. Others had to sell the church buildings while hundreds lost life and savings and their retirement money in the millions because they trusted those Ponzi schemers with their money. Also, there are 
the day-to-day bills that you know that it that what they are without me going into detail. Plus future repairs and upkeeps on those same extravagant buildings. The funds will just not be there and little by little the doors will start to shut. And there is no comfort here for the smaller congregation either. The only difference is their burden will be smaller but just as heavy to bear. And they will not be able to endure as long as the as the, as the larger ones will. There is a silver lining though if, and that is a big if, the property is paid for. But there's always the chance that the local, local magistrates, because some will not abide by the decree of seizure, will heavily find those buildings and find them and they will lose their buildings anyway. Let us look at the digital church and how they will help facilitate the church closings. It's a contest now, I believe, between the digital and the physical building. They will do so by instituting what they think will be measures to accommodate the drop-off. As they plan a mutiny by moving the people to a completely digital church. They will cry, we have developed a new inspirational idea as they try to slow down the hemorrhaging of attendances which in their minds they hope will be small and short-lived. But like all things which God is no part of, their in-house members will start to follow the trend. And the trend will be how cool it is to worship online and not have to get up, get dressed, and drive over to that old meeting as they lay back and wait for Uber to bring dinner, as they surf their iPhones for preaching that they like. We already have online giving. Just put it on your credit card, they say. With their icons of MasterCard and Visa blinking across the bottom of the marquees and on their web pages. But we know how the credit card business goes and how reliable it is. Before long, it will be just the minimum payment, or should I say minimum donation, and a matter of time before they default altogether. Now, you may remember <coughs> an old joke about how George Washington was put in the offering plate more than any other president. You know, it was a famous go to the who goes to the church the most the dollar bill, while the Jacksons and the Hamiltons or the Franklins, even though Hamilton or Franklin was not a president, are kept safe and snug in the purse. And in a short while, the digital church will fail in its attempt to keep up with its failing attendance. The people, for the most part, will become more and more disinterested in church, the eye will get around to it later crowd and the capricious online seekers will seek other, other entertainment to amuse themselves with. Pastors are already concerned about how the giving has fallen off in just this short amount of time. What does the coming months hold? All that is going on around us today is a precursor for the falling, flagging churches across the landscape of America. Those that do survive the closings will be forever altered, especially in terms of church freedom, and will be much smaller in number and finances than they were. Remember the stats, one in three, 
forsaking church attendance, and that is current today. If these numbers hold and do not go up, giving will already have been off by one-third, with these figures alone most of the small churches will not be able to keep up for the coming as the attendance continues to fall off from one-third to a half to three-fourths and on and on. Most churches are seeing this drop off in giving and more because people in quarantine don't give at all because of a lack of jobs or fear of self-preservation. They're doing like they did in the banks. They're holding their money. And most people do not believe in making up, just starting when and if they come back. This is the reason the experts are predicting that many will close their doors and never reopen like the 1920s banks did. What about the pastor and the flock, you say? Now, most pastors already have the work-from-home syndrome with the advent of the BlackBerry and now the smartphones. Many have been doing their hospital calls and visitations by way of their phones long before COVID came along. The warmth of the pastor's hand on the brow of a sick child as he leans over the bed to pray or the soothing and reassuring tones of his voice as he sits on the side of the bed holding the frail hand of his faithful have been lost by the dial of prayer mentality crowd. The phone's convenience paved the way for the coming digital church long before the revival of the virus. One does not have to go any more to church to get the bulletins of events and the schedule of the endless, endless activities. Just read your text. Neither does the parishioner need to miss the sports game on TV. You see, they used to program the VCRs for their games and their programs and watch later. But now with the advancement of this marvel called technology, you can listen to the preacher and on the back pew of the church watch your favorite sports game or movie at the same time, thanks to the art of multitasking. Today, today we are like the old Virginia Slims commercial. We've come a long way, baby. So far, in fact, that technology will soon become our enemy. There are already books out there. I've been scanning the titles. I've been looking and downloading. But there are already books out there with titles like Big Tech Tyrants, How Silicon Valley Stealth Practices, Addictines, Silent Speech, and Steal Your Privacy. Then there are others like the manipulators and the technological slavery, just to name a few. Some have vowed to never get involved with it, but modern technology is like a slippery creek bank. You fool around it long enough, you will slide in. Why is man always creating problems for himself? Then there are the problem of pastors leaving the ministry. They may not be leaving in droves, but the true status is troubling just the same. The real figures, close figures, are that 250 pastors leave the ministry every month. That is still a staggering amount, and I believe we will see an increase with the closing of churches because the ones surrendering to the ministry have been going down. And then the churches still have the civil magistrates to contend with. Look at all that is against her. 
And as they worked vigorously and sometimes in the middle of the night behind closed doors, in secrecy on a plan to close all churches, as Pastor John MacArthur found out and will soon hound them on and on until they are in full control. You see the COVID sharks smell the blood in the water. Government has a lot more in store for us as they continue to levy heavy fines upon the disobedient <clears throat> to make examples out of them for the smaller, weaker ones. North Valley Baptist in Santa Clara County, California has received so far $50,000 in fines. Pentecostal pastor in Baton Rouge, Louisiana was arrested, put in jail, and fined for what? For holding church services. How long can this keep up? And all the while it will boil down to whether you will bow to the authorities' demands and join the government state church or go out of the real estate business. Plans is to remove the independent local churches and force it into government churches. I believe we are only seeing the beginning. I have read articles lately about how difficult the shutdown is on the small churches and that some larger churches are gathering together to loan money to those small churches to how to help them stay afloat. Now that is charitable and kind, but will only prolong the imminent shutdown. There is still the COVID-19 charade being played out by the relentless civil authorities, which like the unjust judge in Luke 18 and 4, fear not God nor regard man in their defiance of the churches of the living God. People are saying, when is it going to end? And then there is the upcoming presidential election. And who knows what violence and loss of civil liberties will fill the streets of our country after that. If especially the anarchists of socialism do not get their way. And then if it goes the church's way, there is always 2024 to worry about and it won't be long till then. Look no further than the golden state of California with their tyranny. Look at what they're doing to the people and business as well as the churches. Day after day like cattle, they corral their citizens and lay a yoke upon their necks that they themselves will not carry. Acts that would make the Pharaohs proud. And no one, not even the President and Republican Party, is doing a thing about it. They seem powerless to stop it. I'm sure the Christian right that has invested heavily with both money and rhetoric into Trump election is waiting to see what Mr. Trump is going to do about the church's situation with, with this tyrannical, overreaching state governments. You say, but you have forgotten about the mega churches. Many believe that they will be the church world's financial messiah. But these opportunists are like the day traders in the gold market, which know when their winning streak is going to coming to an end. They will sell and exit the religious market. I predict that they will go more and more to the digital way. They have already made their fortunes, and as far as online viewing, they have never met a TV camera that they did not love. Those charismatics, name it and claim it, movement pastors that have reaped a financial windfall from their lies and deception will continue to live wealthy. Many of them will join the woke church movement. 
It is you poor gullible sheep who have listened to their lies called sermons on how to get rich like them without ever questioning these charlatans on anything. You bought their wild tales of heavenly gold dust in your hair, teeth filled with jewels, and angel feathers floating down on you from heaven when all the time you should have been inspecting the church attic for an infestation of pigeons. You invested in their schemes never to get a return on your investment, but you kept investing in hopes that one day you would be rich like all the while you were paying, playing the elusive loaded church roulette wheel. <clears throat> while these church leaders cleverly coin it sowing seed faith to get your giving. You were only too happy to stand in their shadows while they blew on you as you fell on the floor at their feet. Await for your 15 minutes of fame on their live televised services in hopes that some of the folks back home were to get a glimpse of your faith face in their TV audiences. You were part of the smart religious generation for a little while. Only when it is too late will you have to bear the blunt of your failed church and failed faith while they sell off into the sunset on their mega yachts and fly the blue friendly skies in their jet planes. And how dare you suggest that these potentates take you along for the ride just because you help pay for their luxury liners. But in closing, what about the real church? Yes, there is a real church that is being built. It does not matter to them whether they have a building or not. Their main, main purpose is Christ and his gospel. They are the true believers. When their church building is gone, they will still follow Jesus. They may have to worship in a house church, in the woods or in fields, in secret and against the illegal laws of the civil magistrates. You see, they are the true church and their predecessors are the apostolic first church of the Lord Jesus' apostles. They don't need anything but Christ, for they, like Paul, lived by Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. They, like the heroes, heroes of faith in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, will choose the same fate as they did. These are the people of God, the people of faith who did not have a church building. By faith, Abel. By faith, Enoch. <coughs> by, <coughs> by faith, Noah. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Sarah. By faith, Isaac. By faith, Jacob. By faith, Joseph. By faith, Moses. When he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction of the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproaches of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. They did not care about the material riches of this world that the church now is caring about. What shall I say more? For the time will tell me, will fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson, and of Jephthah, of David, Samuel, and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence of the fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness was made strong, waxed valiant in flight, 
turned to uh, in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, moreover of bonds and imprisonments. They were stoned, they were sown asunder, were tempted, were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskin and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And these all having obtained a good report through faith. Now they, the real church, men and women of God, when they lose all, to them it will not matter because they have already passed the place of this material world. And like the Apostle Paul, again they can say, Neither count I my life dear unto me. Acts 20, 24. They will suffer their churches, homes, and possessions to be taken. When the enemy says, I'll take your possessions, they will reply with, What possessions? I have no possessions. For we brought nothing into this world and it's certain we can carry nothing out. First Timothy 6 and 7. Naked came out of my mother's womb. Naked shall I return hither. Job 1 21. When they say I will take your freedom, they will say you can't. I have no freedom. For I am not my own. I have been bought with a price. First Corinthians 6 19 and 20. When they say, I will take your life, they will say, you can't. I am dead already, and my life is hid with Christ in God. Colossians 3 and 3. In closing this psalm, the 23rd psalm is our promise in these troubled days and fearful times. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me, in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If you would like to receive a printed copy of this message or have any questions, contact us at RDW Truth at yahoo.com you may also hear this and other messages on our podcast at anchor i want to again ask you to help us spread the word of this on this program by sharing with others we're not asking for your money we're asking you just to share this with others we also covet your prayers that the word of god will have liberty <clears throat> you see here at the Rightly dividing the word of truth program. We realize that liberty to broadcast in these last days of censorship can be taken away from us. 
<clears throat> we are seeing the erosion of our freedom of speech, especially where the gospel of Christ is concerned. Let me also remind you that we are living in the last days just before the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore, comfort one another with this message and with these words, 1 Thessalonians 4.18. Thank you for listening. Some people steal They cheat and lie For wealth and what